0: OK, this is what it's all about. Christ is coming again, but he's not coming again to pat everybody on the back, on the back. He's coming again to establish justice. And dominion on this earth, you see, and he will set up his literal throne, physically speaking. This is not like uh, eternity. This is still in time, a thousand years of time, and he establishes his throne in Today's Jerusalem, not the new Jerusalem, the old Jerusalem. We're in time still. And the earth during this time undergoes a great restoration. And so and so let me tell you, let me tell you something. Uh, well, I'll tell you later about it. But <laughs> that this earth is going to be restored so much. But it is not even to uh, be uh, to be even begin to equate it with. The newness that's coming with eternity and after the thousand years expires. Then we have the new heaven, the new earth, wherein the new Jerusalem dwells. All these are brand new things. They they don't exist right now. The creator, God himself, will establish. (laughs) He's saving the best for the last. Okay, but he is going to take the old creation and restore it. And so, uh, this is why the Jews asked the Lord, the disciples in the, in the, in Acts 1, Lord, is it now the time that you will restore the kingdom of David, you know? And, and, and they, they knew that the Old Testament talked about a restoration and, and so forth. And anyway, uh, they, they were way off. But, you know, the restoration is, is not far off. Believe it. Just believe it. And, and I, I'm gonna, give you some reasons to believe it but i want you to know the truth and i want you to know i don't want you to know it academically i want you to know it as young responsible brothers and sisters who have a heart for god's move on the earth because what occurs in this age is is the key to the next age arriving and what we are in this age is the key to what we will be in the next age with Christ. Forget about eternity. Eternity is cared for all God's people. Old and New Testament, they're all accounted for. But the kingdom age is held out by God as a great reward for our life and our service to Him in this age now, the age of grace or the age of the church or whatever uh, name people might uh, fix to it. That's fine, but it it is the now age, okay, that we're living in. Time is with us. We're on the bridge of time right now. We have not entered into... Eternity, we're still uh, we're still living in time and 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 when the kingdom comes, things will get set at that point. But it's still in time and the restoration of the of the earth and even of uh, of our of ourselves and things like that will transpire, but it does not measure up to the total uh, glory of eternity. Where God makes all things new. Okay. Don't you think, how little are we? How small is our view when we get so uh, wound up with this thing and that thing and oh, this is awful and my life's over and I'll never, you know, I'll never amount to anything and, I'll, and, and, and it'll never be the same again and so forth. Well, welcome to the big picture. Okay, you need to see this. This will give you this will give you stability for your present day life. Being one with Christ to fulfill God's purpose. This is this is a needed thing, greatly needed. And this is why we're having this conference. It's not because we decide, well, this will be a good subject. It's because we need this. We need it. It affects you. It does something to you. It it knocks the. It knocks the, uh, uh, the the silliness, and it knocks the laid back uh, "one day I'll I'll do something maybe" type of attitude. It just knocks it lopsided, and it brings you, it, it squares you face to face with the reality of Christ, what He is now, and what uh, what He will be when you do face Him face to face physically at His second coming. And then it's not cup co- for conversation or for sweet fellowship is to give account okay so we need to talk about the kingdom of God because like it or not, it's here. I mean it's it's it is here and it's here and it's also coming and I'll show you how that works out too okay now uh, in in Re- in revelation twelve ten if you see that verse, You can see this is the end of the first half of the book of Revelation. Revelation is a book in two halves. And so this is a kind of an ending. Then the second half starts, uh, with 13 and gives all a lot of details to fill in all the gaps. Uh, so if you know how to read Revelation, you get a, you get a survey outline. Then you get a detailed outline and you put them together and you get a full outline. Anyway, at this point, the time has arrived, and it says, and I heard a loud voice. Of course, John is the one who wrote the book of Revelation, uh, so I is usually John. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now has come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. This is the coming kingdom. For the accuser of our brothers has been cast down to accuse them before our God day and night. This is a liar. His accusations are lies. He's been ruining all the uh, attempts to fulfill God's purpose as we see in church history just by lying and dividing God's people. And when this accuser is cast down and he can lie no more, then there is a, there is a, a excellent opportunity for God's people to come together in this Excellent oneness to fulfill his purpose, not just by not just by being uh, by by showing up, but but by actually being uh, constituted inwardly as the reality of God's kingdom on earth today. And as I said last night, what that looks like now are local churches. That's where the kingdom is today. Now uh because I w- I want to just show you a little bit you know this you know that Christ is inside of you and you also know that he sits on the throne at the right hand of God. So this number 1 starts with Christ from the throne. There's a verse here talking about his being on the throne in Hebrews 1:13. Well in his coming back to set up his kingdom, he's firstly at the throne. And then secondly, and some things happen there. I'll be patient. Then secondly, he's in the air coming back. He just doesn't rush back like he certainly rushed to the throne when he ascended. This time he comes back in a special way, lingering, waiting watching, and this way is called his parousia, or parousia. He comes, and he comes in the clouds, just like he disappeared in the clouds on in Acts on the Mount of Olives. He comes in the clouds. And this is why all the legends about, you know, us going to heaven is sitting on a cloud and things like it. It's all just based on one or two verses, that relate to something that Christ does in a, as part of a huge process. It has nothing to do with eternity or, or the real kingdom or anything like that. But he is in the air for a period of time and, uh, this is, this is quite an event and this has to do with our rapture, uh, as well as the throne does. Okay. But finally, he does make it to the earth at Armageddon okay And when I say that is because Christ coming to the earth uh, in Revelation it, it, it point it paints a picture of his putting one foot in the water and one foot on the land and he just possesses heaven uh, possesses uh, the whole earth by that way you see and the water no doubt is the Mediterranean and this is there in the Middle East area. And he, he possesses this, but, but also the Bible is filled with revelation is that Christ comes from the air, you know, w- riding a white horse in glory and that he is fought and that in his train is an army of overcoming saints, thousands and thousands of them also riding white horses and coming after him. And he comes at this time to the earth. Okay? And this coming to the earth is his finalizing the affairs on earth to have an inauguration of his kingdom. Okay? And, and this is what most of us are people refer to as, as the great battle of all battles at Armageddon. And even people that don't know the Bible have heard of Armageddon. I mean, Books and shows and movies and everything has their version of Armageddon. Uh, you know, I don't know what they say, but I promise you, they are not accurate. They cannot be accurate. It's not possible to reproduce this scene. Okay, it will happen one time only. Okay, now uh, <clears throat> let's just read a little bit of this. So, uh, Neil, if you'll help out with Revelation
1: sixteen, yeah. Are you can you can stay there. You're good. Okay. And I saw out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast. Okay, let me say right here. (laughs) See,
0: now we have, uh, when you see the word beast, uh, you need to realize that in Revelation, there are two beasts. There's the main beast, and then there's another beast. The main beast is called the Antichrist by us. But in the Bible, he's called the beast. He is also called the beast out of the sea. Okay, because Satan in his demonic world and and so forth, if it's not in the air as evil spirits, it's in the sea as 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 the 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 demonic element of Satan's kingdom. Then there is the beast out of the earth which is not the antichrist but is the false prophet, and he is also a part of this uh unholy trio, okay. And he is all the time speaking to uh, uh, cause man to worship the antichrist because, uh, see, Satan, unlike uh, unlike uh, unlike the Lord, Satan can't be two places at the same time. He has to. He really has to delegate out authority because he is not uh, ubiquitous, uh, omnipresent. He, he he can't be everywhere at the same time. He's not God. He, he thought he he thought he was at one time in Isaiah 14. That's what that's that started the whole thing. But he's not. And and so uh, he is slowly being whittled down. And it's like where he can be and what he can do is just getting narrowed. And so to prolong and to do everything in his power, it's like a frantic person. You know, it's it's it's, it's like. You know, all of you were to descend on me, and I've got to defeat all of you. And I just—all I, I have is a, one sword, and I've got to—I've got to kill everybody in the whole room. And all of you have a sword. I would just be so. This is a picture of Satan in, in Revelation. I'm going to lose, but I can't stand the thought of you know just not fighting to the end to to make it as is nasty as possible. This is. <laughs> His mind set. Okay, Neil, sorry, I interrupted you too soon.
1: Out of the mouth of the false prophet, three unclean spirits as frogs, for they are spirits of demons doing signs, which go forth to the kings of the whole inhabited earth to gather them to the war of the great day of God the Almighty. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, that he may not walk naked, and they see his shame. And they gather them to the place which in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Okay. okay, hang there a second.
0: Armageddon, see, they gathered them to Armageddon. Where is Armageddon? You see, well, it's not here. And it's not in Canada, it's not in Mexico, it's not in South America, it's not in Africa. Armageddon is in Israel. And is these all, it says here, the nations of the whole inhabited earth. But we know of some other references that have great armies that come to this place, like Gog and Magog and the 200 million horsemen from the rising of the sun, the east. and the, And also we have the 10 kingdom empire of the antichrist they will all be gathered and who will i'm not sure it's it, it just it, it, it's a mind-boggling concept to, to you and think of who all is gathered at this great day of god for this last event you see but they gather at armageddon where is armageddon it's in a valley and this valley is called the valley of megiddo and if you look at uh, you know me. I had to. I had to find out where it was, right? So I found Megito in the valley. And I, I have some good maps uh, by some Jewish scholars, and so they weren't, uh, you know, they, they weren't trying to make anything up. And so I, I found this valley, and I'm pretty sure this was. It had to be here. But I looked and I said, "How can so many people, so many people, millions of people, even fit in this valley? I mean, it, it's not like, you know, a valley, a, a valley." In a small way, I mean, it's a it's a huge valley. But still, we're talking about the whole inhabited earth and all the armies and they're gathered and so forth. And they all sit into this one area that's quite close to Jerusalem, actually. Uh, in that area of the world, everything's close together. And they all come together, you see? And that's Armageddon. And I couldn't see it. But, you know, one thing I noticed, I did notice this. I said, you know... This is not uh, this is not circular, it's not round, but for the lo- for the love of me, it looks like if you got in there, you would feel like you were inside a bowl. Trapped inside a bowl. If you I mean if you were part of an army, you'd feel, man, we are really in a bowl here. See? Okay, I said that because there's some more to read about it. Okay, yeah.
1: Neil, go ahead. And he is clothed with a garment dipped in blood. This is Christ. And his name is called the Word of God. Amen. And the armies which are in heaven followed him on white horses. See, these are the ones who have already been raptured. Amen. And they're coming back with
0: him to fight the final and conclusive victory, then to rule and reign with him for
1: a thousand years. Okay. Sorry. Dressed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth proceeds a sharp sword, that with it he might smite the nations. And he will shepherd them with an iron rod. And he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And he has on his garment and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. See, now I know what that valley looks like. It looks like a
0: winepress. It's a wine press. You just get so many people in that area. It's just like, have you ever seen these pictures of these wine presses? All the grapes, they are just crammed together. You can't, uh, if you do, if you just make the slightest movement, you crush grapes. Right? This is, this is the Valley of Megiddo, and this is the Battle of Armageddon, the great day of God when he gathers all the nations. And this is quite close to Jerusalem, which we'll see, see later. Okay, if you'll turn the page. Now, uh, quickly, I put here three aspects of Christ's kingdom, which I don't want to get into now, but let me just say it quickly. I have its reality, its appearance, and see its manifestation. The reality of the kingdom of Christ, Matthew 5 through 7, all of these chapters are the chapters that when Christ talks about the kingdom and he gives you the nature and essence of the kingdom and what it will, and what he is like and what his kingdom will be like. And so this is the reality. You see? But human beings cannot do this reality. And so this high, high word of the kingdom reality opens us up to receive Christ. Who is the reality? Because there is no other way to do even one of his words. Eventually he says, Be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. How can you do that? Be perfect? Like God? Not a chance. So you need, you need, you need the Christ to indwell you, the Christ of the epistles to be born in you as a seed, to grow in you, to, to, transform you to become everything to you and eventually to conform you to the image of Christ, then that's when the reality of the kingdom, which is not seen on the earth with the naked eye today, but those of us who are in the reality of the kingdom, we see it through the experience of Christ in ourselves and in the brothers and sisters that we know we know the kingdom has come not in manifestation it will only get manifested when Christ comes back but in reality we have it now and it will transfer from in our experience into the next age and be enlarged okay <clears throat> so so that's the reality. The appearance is something that is, is spoken of in Matthew. And I just use these two parables to illustrate that the same ones that the Lord did, and that is a parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven. And in the mustard seed, it starts out as a little bitty seed. And then it grew up as a great big tree. So it had a false abnormal growth. It was a wrong growth. It grew into a huge, mighty Uh, public political machine. And it was religious in nature and also political in nature. And that's the appearance. It fools man. It's not the reality. And of course, it's not the manifestation. But it has an appearance. Oh, this is religion. Oh, okay. They use the word kingdom of God. Oh, okay. Uh, They have a Bible. Okay. And so forth, but it does not have the reality of Christ as He revealed Himself in Matthew chapters five, six, and seven. You read them, and you realize that's He's not talking about you there; He's talking about Himself. Okay. Then, uh, actually, you should make a change here. Uh, this is not Matthew twelve ten. This should be in, in C. Should be Revelation twelve ten, and that's the verse we just read. Now has come salvation in the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ. This is the when Christ comes back from the throne from the air to the earth to establish His kingdom on the earth. Then has come all of these wonderful things, and He is manifested. And according to, according to Colossians, then we will be manifested. With him in glory. Right? So, this is a great thing. This is the kingdom of Christ and a kingdom of God and of Christ. And this is a big thing. And God, and God allows this thousand years to be here as a reward for His people. Who would pay the price to gain him, to know him, to seek him, to be one with him, and to be for him and to and 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 to serve him faithfully. This is a given as a reward. You know, salvation is not a reward. Never think you are rewarded for salvation. This is the fallen concept of man that you know weigh the pros and cons, and if the pros outweigh the cons, you might get a reward. No, you nothing. Not for salvation. It's it is a gift. The Bible clearly says it is the gift of God, not of works. Right? But the kingdom is different. There's a reward here. Do you know what? Because many of the verses in the Bible talk about getting something of a reward, running, getting a reward. Philippians 3 is all about Paul running, running, running to gain something to get more. Not First uh, Corinthians 9 is he would not be. Uh, you know, a cast cast off and uh, uh, other places he would not lose his reward and things like that. And so there grew up this salvation because all they could see is people living on earth being Christians and then one day going to heaven. And so there's nothing in between. And so you either you you either uh, uh were a real Christian doing all these things that were required or. Uh, if you were a naughty person and not being faithful to the Lord and not caring for Him, then uh, this would be proof that you are not—you were never a Christian in the first place. And that's all they had. That's all the argument they had. And it and it, and it takes the picture and the revelation of the kingdom of one thousand years as a reward or as a punishment. To solve all the verses and make them fit perfectly into place. It's not salvation, that is eternal and never changes. But the kingdom is a reward or it's a discipline. Okay. So you have to see the kingdom of Christ. We are close, we are so close to the kingdom of Christ. Listen, listen. The church has to be built, but how built is built? I don't know that. No one knows that. But we are so different than, than our early beginnings. I just am amazed. I'm amazed. I, I take truth every day of my life. I I it, it's, I, I I live in astonishment. I, I'm a, I'm a, I was, you know I'm astonished, astonished or whatever they you know I just. People are always—they're always come up to me with the latest, you know, the latest cake off the griddle. It's pipe—it's so hot. And you know, I've been eating these cakes now for years and years, and and it's—I said this is great, it's great. But you know, you can only be astonished. Just—I mean, you can only maintain a level of astonishment just so long, and then it's just—it's just another cake that's piping hot. But I understand it. I totally understand it. And just like I told the brothers before the meeting, there is nothing on this earth that makes me more joyful than to see young people just get wrecked, ruined, and, and totally captured by Christ. Nothing, nothing affects me like this. And I, and I, there's a lot of other experiences I've had with a lot of other kinds of people and so forth. And I mean, I've seen people... You know, uh, miraculous things have happened to him. That's good, but it's, it's not the same. It's not the same as this room right here. This room represents an aggregate of thousands of years of future potential. It's, it's, it's not a small thing. Okay. And I'm not, I, you know, people get real nervous when I speak because I talk, I, 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 whatever, whatever the subject is, I just say it like I, like, like it is. I, 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 have no, I, I don't pull punches or anything like this. And and people bring new ones, you know, to conferences like that. They're really nervous that I'm going to say something to blast them out of the hall, you know, <laughs> and and so forth. It's, I, I don't care. Again, I told I said, I said, brothers, you know, when little kids, when they go and get their vaccines, you know, they 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 they, uh, mostly they cry. Right. They cry. Give them a shot. All the babies cry. Right. But nevertheless, the stuff got in them. (laughs) It got in them. They They got the bug. Right. They got put in them. Now, it's. It's circulating in their being. One day, it's going to explode. It will explode. You can never go back and be the same. We put lice and and plagues and all kinds of things all over you. You just itch and scratch. You'll never be the, you'll never have peace again. You see? This is the, this is what the gospel does. It puts lice and vermin and, and all the plagues and, and, uh, you know, you, you just can't lay your head down and feel happy. Because you, now you know the truth, you know. And you're not just wandering around and, uh, you know, uh, if it, if it feels if it feels good, do it type of life. Well, <clears throat> praise the Lord, we, we have all this, the reality of Christ. King. The kingdom of Christ is worth it's, uh, it's, you know, just read Philippians 3. This man, Paul, who is a top apostle, a super apostle, he was running a race, not counting himself to have gained, and that's the kingdom, but he was going to pursue after to gain this Christ to the extent that he would be counted worthy of this kingdom. This is, this is for us. I know we're not Paul. I know that. But whatever we are and whoever we are, we have a capacity. And that capacity, the Lord knows and, uh, to a large extent, we know too. And, and, and we have to be full of Christ and full of His leading of our lives to match the revelation of His purpose. That we have to have.